Hey, good morning. Good to see you guys at the Grove Central today. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the building and welcome all those online. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, shout out to Josh. Just want to say Josh praying for you today and Kyla praying for you uh, this day also. So thanks for being with us today online. You guys told me this week you're watching, so just wanted to shout out to you guys. Um, I was able to go visit a couple people in our church. I uh, just needed some uh, uh, a visit and hang out with them a little bit. And so uh, praying for you guys, all right? And then everybody in the, in the Grove Central, good to see you guys. Some faces here, some uh, just some new faces. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, we're so grateful uh, for uh, just opportunity for us to get together for uh, church. And uh, today um, we're going to finish the series. And uh, let me start off by saying this. Uh, a couple of days ago, actually Friday night, um, I had a, uh, a dream. It was a bad dream. Uh, not, not quite a nightmare, just a, a dream that wasn't good and uh, very realistic. I don't know if you ever had one of these dreams where you wake up, it wakes you up, it pulls you like jars you out of your sleep, right? Pulls you out of your sleep because it's so um, uh, realistic and you felt it so much. And uh, in this dream, it had to do with one of my kids. And so um, I, I woke up kind of like my heart pounding and kind of just uh, all the emotions of the dream were just so real. And uh, I remember uh, sitting and laying in bed and I, it took me a long time to fall asleep because that's how, how uh, much of an effect that dream had on me, right? And, uh, and I woke up and I just kind of laid there and uh, and just kind of just processed what, what I just dreamt about and all that, and uh, just just I didn't I didn't want to go back to sleep almost because I didn't want to go back into the dream. And a couple of days before that was interesting is um, I was sleeping and uh, I felt my wife trying to wake me up and I was thinking like I don't want to wake up I'm sleeping so good and I was in one of those dreams that you just want, don't want to wake up from right You're like this is a good dream I'm going to stay here don't wake me up and uh, of course uh, she was waking me up so I had to get out of that dream. So some dreams you want to stay in and some dreams you want to escape. Uh, you know, when I think of this series, and I think of uh, the realities that we face, heaven and hell, it's kind of like that, right? There's these realities that we sometimes almost think they're just almost like just a, a, a dream or maybe not completely uh, what we can explain, right? Heaven is going to be like one of those dreams you'll never want to get, you'll never want to leave. And hell is going to be the opposite. It's going to be like one of those uh, nightmares, one of those bad dreams that you want to get out of and you, and you can't. And in this series, really what we're trying to talk about is there's going to be um, a day where God returns, right? This series is the end times, and uh, there'll be a day where he says, all right, if the, the, the time of the that I've given uh, for humanity to go to run its course, do what it's going to do, will come to an end. And uh, those that understood the times and those that, that understood what was going on, they'll be found faithful, and those that aren't will be found lacking and missing that. And so as we talk about this, I think about, you know, even in our culture, there's people that when it comes to the devil, when it comes to hell, uh, they don't think those are realities. Those are just ways to teach people about good and, good and uh, evil, right? Um, and they don't really believe it's true. And so one thing that you have to know, Jesus, he spoke more about hell than about heaven. And uh, he just there, there's these realities he wants to be aware of, that there's a battle for our souls, and it's really important that we don't miss it. So this series, um, one of the scriptures we've used is in, in uh, First Chronicles uh, 12.32. It says there's a group of men, the men of Issachar. It says they understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So because they understood the times they lived in, they always knew what to do. My hope as a church, and even through this series, is to help us understand the season we're in so we know what to do. Uh, because there's a lot of people that the season we're in with COVID and election cycle, they don't really understand what is, is really at stake. And, and we think it's just a physical reality. We think it's just um, um, the things that we can control and see. But really, there's a lot more that's going on that we can even understand. And I want to be those kind of people like Minnevisskar who say, let's understand the times that we're living in, understand the day that we're in, that we always know what we should do. We always know what we can do. And really, if we seek God, these will be the kind of people that we can be, that we live in such a way that we make an impact and we do the right things with our life. Because for the series, the point of the series of what time is it is really to say that Jesus is coming again, right? And we can add soon to that. He's coming again soon. 
He told the disciples, there'll be a day that I'll return. This is called the second coming. Part of the doctrine we believe is he's going to come back um, and, and um, he's going to set up his kingdom, right? And so he's going to return one day. And uh, last few weeks we talked about that. So the first week we talked about this whole series is really about hope, right? To give hope that the, the reason prophecy is for there and there's so much of prophecy is to let us know what's going to happen so that when it begins to unfold and happen the way that the Bible says, we're not fearful, we're not afraid, we're actually excited and expectant for what God wants to do in the middle of that. And so throughout Scripture, God always would tell the, the prophets. He, he wouldn't do anything without revealing it first to the prophets, right? And that's why he's given us the Bible, to reveal these things so that we know what's coming, what we can expect, and then we know what to do with it, right? And so uh, really it's about hope. It's about giving us the, uh, a bright future, knowing that God wants to do something uh, no matter what we find, what we, what we face in this life. And last week I asked a question. If, they, if you knew the end was close, would you live differently? Like, if you knew the end of your life was very close, would you live differently? And everybody would say yes, right? So let me just say, the end is very close. So live in such a way that you understand that your life is shorter than you realize. And how can you live in such a way that's, that's intentional and uh, you, you make it the best impact you can, right? And so live, live in such that way. And then we said this, plan as if Jesus is not going to come for 100 years, right? Be responsible. Live and, and then live in such a way that if he came today, he'd be ready. And more than that, you'd be willing to and confident to say you're going to give an account that you did the best with what you had, right? That you're going to, you lived in such a way that you're saying, I, I, I was a good steward of what you put in my hands. Um, each week from Sunday to Sunday, my prayer is that we get reminded of what we're doing here so that we can stand before God and say, this last week, what did we do with it? Well, I, I did my best with the week that, that God gave me. How, how did I lose my time? How did I use the relationships that I have to be able to do that? And so for this series, really that's what we're saying is uh, expect him to come any moment. But be responsible. Live in such a way that you're, you're thinking long-term, uh, but you're ready for him if he did. You can stand before him with confidence, knowing you did the best that you can. Because right? I know as we talk about this series, some people think, well, you know, if, 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 if the signs are there, and, and last week was really about the signs that, that the disciples asking Jesus to point to, and we, we pointed a few of those signs. Today we're going to talk about some more of what we can look forward to. Well, if you know they're coming, some people think, well, I'll just wait until those signs get really, really serious, and then I'll, I'll go all in, then I'll follow Christ. I think when people live that way, um, they're going to just do their own thing until, you know, it's, it's closer to the end of their life or it's closer. They miss a big part of what it means to follow Christ. One, they, they miss the heart of it, right? Following Christ is not about what you can get from him. That's, that is an entitled, uh, that is an immature um, perspective. Following Christ is who you can become. And the whole process of following Christ is more about who we're becoming, not what we're attaining, not what we can get from it. In fact, I think people that follow Christ for that reason... They're going to be really disappointed when they get to heaven because they're going to realize, like, oh, I missed all the training of becoming who God wants me to become, and, I, and, and I'm not ready for all the things he has now. Now i got to, like, start a process over. And, and they're not going to get all the rewards that they could have got, and they could experience all the things that they could have experienced because they were living from a selfish motive. And that just exposes – if you ever live that way, that just exposes something in your heart that says, really, life is about you, not about what God has for you or, what, or, for, or for others. And so if you're living that way, let me just say, today I'm going to challenge you to say – um, don't ever live that way. Live in such a way that you could stand before God and say, I did the best with what you put in my hands. Like I used every, every second, every moment of my life to, to help others and to help you. And so we're going to walk through that today, all right? Um, so for this series, if you missed any of them, I'd encourage you to go back. The first week was about the rapture. We talked about hope. Uh, God wants to uh, give us hope in the middle of this. And the second week was about the time frame. God lays it out in the scriptures that there's this specific time, things that have to take place in history before uh, the end comes. And then last week we talked about the signposts, right? That there's certain signs that we should look for. So today we're going to talk about a few more signs that we should be looking for when, when we see these things, we can know that it's really close, right? That the time is close. 
So in Matthew 24, his disciples come to Jesus, and it says he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the same place he's going to return one day. And the disciples came to him privately, and they said, Tell us, when will all this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So tell us, what, what, is, what is it that we should be looking for? So then he begins to tell them some things, and then he gets to a few verses down in verse 9. It says, Then you will be handed over and be persecuted and be put to death. So there's going to be some persecution. There's going to be some martyrdom, right? And you'll be hated by all the nations because of me. There's going to be a point where the nations will, will hate you because of, because of me. And at that time, he says, at that time, and it is a specific time, right? He's referring to the, the end. Many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. So for the last hundred, few hundred years, even I would even say the last fifteen hundred years, many different religions and, and sects and groups and just different kinds of leaders have popped up uh, to, the, to the ages to try to mislead people away. Right? That's what he said is going to take place. But he specifically said one of these things is going to happen is many will turn away or fall away from him. Um, one of the signs that we'll talk about today is, is the falling away. It's, it's the apostasy. It's the turning away from God. Uh, he said that will be an indication of what's going to take place. And he goes on and says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of many, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. My hope is this is us, that we will stand firm until the end because those are the ones that will be saved. And this gospel, he says, of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So he said there's going to be all these things that are going to take place. And just know when, when, when and he says in one generation, that they'll, they'll all happen. So a lot of this has happened periodically throughout history. But when you see all that happening at once, you know that the time is really close. But he says his gospel will go throughout the whole world, right? Um, but of that day and hour, and he goes on and tells them, nobody knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So only God knows exactly when it's going to happen. He says, but as the days of Noah, right, where also will the coming of the Son of Man be? So the same indications that we see in the day of Noah... Uh, of, of the wickedness that was rampant, all that was going on, the immorality that was taking place. He says that the day of his coming will be very similar to that. And so the whole uh, chapter 24 of, of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, he's talking to the disciples about the end times, right? So he, t- he talks through it. And if you read 25, the next chapter, it still continues on, but he's telling parables to highlight and show what's important. And so he's, he's giving the disciples, giving us, really, what we can look forward to and the signs to look forward to, right? And so... Um, when we see these things happening, we, we should know. So one of those he talked about was the falling away, and the other one he talked about was one all the nations will know. So we're going to talk about those two specifically today and what that means to us, what we need to know. Okay? Um, so um, he, was, he finished by saying this, From the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So he said it's going to be very similar. Life will just be going on. People are going to be thinking like it's never, nothing's going to ever change. And he said just, no, that's exactly what it was before the flood came. But eventually there was wrath that came, right? And he said, didn't know until the flood, they didn't know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the Son of Man, his coming be. So he's essentially saying, be ready, right? Don't, don't assume, just, just be ready. That it can happen any day, any moment that you're ready to follow that. So Jesus is telling us, Peter tells us about the end. Paul tells us about the end. This is what Paul told Timothy when it comes to the end of, of, of the age, right? He says this. He says, but know this, that in the last days, in the last days, Perilous times will come. And this word perilous means stressful times. There's going to be a lot of stress and strain in the world. There's going to be a lot of, like, like we talked about last week, perplexity and confusion. Just a stress, a lot of stress of, of these different things taking place, right? He says, just know that in the last days it will be like that. For men will be lovers of themselves. And they actually, psychologists say that the narcissism is on the rise, right? And specifically in our nation. 
Um, lovers of themselves. That's about exactly what's, what's taking place even in our, in our world. Uh, lovers of money. Money is more important than other things. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to their parents. This would even fall into the category of just being disobedient to authority in general. Right? So being disobedient to parents. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So we lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. There's going to be people who will maybe even say they're Christians, right? They, 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 uh, it looks like on the outside they have it all together, but really they're, they're, they're denying the power that God wants to do within their lives. So they're just going through the motions. Externally it looks right, but on, internally they're not really living what God is asking to live. So he gives these 19 characteristics of, of moral um, violations, right? That people will uh, live in such a way. And the reason Paul is saying this is because throughout history you see the same uh, moral decline that took place in different eras, like, like the time of Noah, right? There was a moral decline that took place where eventually God has to step in or the whole world, or it, it just got so bad. Or uh, a couple of cities that he destroyed, he had to rescue Lot from that city, right? And so he said in the same ways, and we even look at the government of the Roman government when it fell, right? In America, thinking a lot of the same uh, ideas, and we're in that same kind of pattern as they were. There's just a, a decline, a moral uh, decline in society. And Paul is saying to Peter, in the last days, this is what's going to take place, right? It's going to just become this. And what this is, is a picture of us just living for ourselves. It's a picture of us living for, for um, t- it, it, despite others, right? That we just want what we want, and, and, and everybody else, it, does, it doesn't matter what they want. Um, so what's interesting about when Jesus is talking about the great falling away, the apostasy, right? Um, and, and Paul is talking about what it will begin to look like. Um, in our nation, you know, in our nation is not like the main thing. So we, we look towards the Middle East. We look towards Israel. That's like the timetable. We look at all those nations that are taking place, right? But for us, one of the things that we can look at when it comes to the worldwide is, is a lot of countries, they follow the pattern that America has set. Um, and we are following some other, other countries' patterns that, that are ahead of us. But what they find is in our nation, right, we talked about the, the, this kind of these characteristics. We find a lot of this happening right now in our nation. Which means if we're not careful, our nation is in, in a downward spiral. Uh, which means eventually anything will go. And, every, and once anything goes, then uh, you, the, the end of that nation is pretty close, right? Exactly what took place in the Roman government. And so what, what, there's some researchers that came out this, this year about spirituality and about belief that, that Americans have. Now what they, what they found, uh, George Barnard did this research that just released in August. Uh, this is what he, what, what he said. He says slightly over half, half of Christians who re- respondents... So these surveys say that they believe someone can attain salvation by being or doing good. So over, over, slightly over half, they believe that you can gain salvation, going to heaven, by being or doing good. So that would be 46% of Pentecostals that w- would believe this. 44% of main, mainline Protestants believe this. Uh, 41% of evangelicals believe this. And 70% of Catholics believe this. So when you believe this, essentially what you're saying is Jesus died on the cross for nothing. Um, if we can attain it by ourselves, being good enough or doing enough good, then we don't need Jesus to ever die. It, was, it, wasn't, it didn't accomplish anything in history. Um, so it takes away the power of the gospel. It takes away the power of what Jesus did on our behalf, right? And really, it's the opposite of what Scripture says. Because not a single one of us is good enough or can do enough or give enough away to be able to, to, to please God, right? 
Because what happens in this, in this scenario, the reason people say that is because we're comparing ourselves to each other, right? So what they mean is, as long as I'm better than the really bad guy, then I'm going to be able to, I'll, I'll be good with God. But God doesn't compare us to each other. He compares us to himself, to his son. And what he wants is perfection. And no one of us can attain that, right? You cannot attain it. It's by grace that we're saved. Your faith in Christ Jesus. The reason he had to die on the cross is so that we don't have to. He died in our place. It's called the atonement, right? That's what all scripture is building up to. It's saying because of the sin that separates us from God, there has to be some kind of sacrifice that makes things right. And for a long time they did animals, right? They thought, but it just it covered for a while. His sacrifice covered us forever, right? That's, the, that's the, the work of the cross, that God came and stood in our place so we can have life. So when, when people, especially believers, Christians, say, you know what, we really don't need Jesus, they're on the way away from God, not towards God. So he said there's going to be a great falling away. And he tells these stories about these ten virgins who were uh, preparing for the bride to come, right? And this is, this is Jewish language, like the, the, the husband would, uh, he would, he would go away and prepare the house, to, you know, for, for, the, for the wife to come. And then it's going to be a surprise that he, when he comes back and takes her to, to, to be married. And so he's using this, this Jewish wedding ideas, right? And he says there's ten of these, of these, these virgins that are about to be read, married, and five of them are wise, five of them are foolish, right? Five are prepared, five are unprepared. Like these are, he's comparing believers to the same moment. That there'll be a falling away, that there'll be a, a, a good amount, maybe even up to half, that will miss the return of God, what he's trying to do. He tells stories like there'll be two in the field, one will be taken, one will be left, right? What is he saying? This is not just the world. These are people who actually have said, I want to follow Christ. Um, and, and, and there'll be a, a big chunk of them that will actually miss it because they're looking for the wrong things. Um, in these surveys, he also just surveys Americans, and, Americans in, in general. So not just Christians, but even Americans. And what he found is there was a big number, there's a majority, uh, that now don't believe in moral, moral authority, moral truth. Like, they don't believe there is a moral way of standard of life. So essentially, the majority of our country says anything goes. Like, you want to believe what you want to believe, you believe what you believe, there's, there's no moral authority. Uh, so whenever you take God out of a society, you can only expect the down rule, down, uh, spiral downward away from God. And this is where... Uh, the moral decline begins to happen, right? It just begins to spiral out of control. And eventually, we earn what we chose as, as, as a country. And in our, in our nation, we're in that decline, right? It's, it's going down. Uh, we see that when you begin to move God out of the equation, you, you, you remove prayer from school. You remove the Ten Commandments from, uh, from even some of the, the civic life, right? Which if you understand that, like history and law, like that's where we get our law from, from Scripture, from the Old Testament, from the Ten Commandments. That's what our law is built upon. But when you begin to remove it, now you have to figure other ways to have standards, and then it begins to change and it begins to move. And what happens is we take God out of the equation, and we can only figure it out. This is where, um, like, humanism and secularism, they, they've, they've really become the main belief of, of the world. And what that is, is we can, we can figure out things without God, right? So evolution and those theories begin to pop up, try to explain away God, right? We, can, we don't need him because it was, and this is what's really crazy, it was an accident how it happened, like, you know, um, the way, the way, what we believe in how the world started, um, and up until early 2000, it, there was a lot of people who were kind of like, "Whoa, this is um, maybe, maybe there is no need for God, right? There is not a, not, not a." And then they they discovered DNA, and they're like, "Whoa, this is uh, this changes the whole game, right? Because um, this is not evolutionary process. This is a um, a design, right? This is, doesn't just happen. This is has somebody has to design this to take place. And so we see this that little by little, society tries to move God out of the equation. 
So when his wrath comes in the end, end times, it's, it's, it's more of a, a statement about what we choose than what actually takes place from, from God's perspective. Because he's, he's a God of grace. He's a God of love. He wants us to succeed. But when we choose the opposite of him, we gain it. And what's the opposite? It's not, Satan's not the opposite of God. Actually, Satan is the opposite of Gabriel, right? He's a created being still. Uh, so uh, the opposite of God is really, instead of having the good, it's, it's, the, it's hell. It's the bad. And we choose that. In fact, um, in, in Romans 1, I would encourage you to read this. The book of Romans is pretty powerful. Uh, it speaks to a society that's very similar to ours. So Paul is talking to the church in Rome, and he's saying, hey, guys, be aware because our society is beginning uh, to, to disintegrate. He's saying be careful because if you follow culture, it's only going to pull you down. And in the book of, uh, in the first chapter of Romans, he actually lays this out for us. And he says, um, I'm going to read it, read it to you. It's, it's, um, it's God's wrath against mankind. But if you notice, his wrath comes after the fact that they pushed him out of, out of society. And they begin to inherit the opposite of what God had for them, right? And so it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the, all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So they hide the truth because they want to do wicked, right? Wickedness. Since, that, since what we may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men were without an excuse. Then Paul says, all right, so one day we're going to stand before God, and there will not be a single person to be able to say, I didn't know you were real. Because he says, God's invisible qualities, nature, and how he created us, and even what he put inside of us, it shouts that there is a creator, there's a maker. It didn't happen by accident. You're not an accident. There's purpose to it, right? He says, well, nobody will have an excuse because God has created us. And he says this, for all of they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of, immortal, of the immortal God for images made like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And then he goes on and says, then they began to give themselves to other practices. And so essentially, this would be the moral decline that he talks about a society goes through. And this is Rome was in that process. And Paul is pointing out to them saying, when you remove God from the equation, you want to just do what you want to do, you'll, you can expect these things to happen. So the first thing he said is the first thing is the, to the, moral, uh, the moral decline is ingratitude. That although they knew God, they didn't recognize God. They took him out of the equation, right? They weren't grateful for life. They wanted their own way. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And then as soon as they started to be ungrateful and not recognize God, they began to have to, then they had to figure out, well, what kind of thing can we put in place that would replace him? So then idolatry pops in. And what idolatry is, an idol is just something that you make more important than God. That's what an idol is. That could be money. A lot, for a lot of Americans, that's, that becomes money. Uh, that could be pleasure, right? That could be different kinds of forms of pleasure that becomes more important than God. And people put that, anything you put above God is more important. That's your idol that you're worshiping, right? Anything. It could be popularity. Uh, a lot of different things. And so they went from, from being ungrateful, right? Having ingra- in, being ingra- ingratitude to idolatry. And eventually that went down to immoral- immortal- Im- immorality. So they, they made immoral choices, right? The, the, instead of having a moral standard, they said, let's get rid of that. And let's just do what we want to do. And this is really tied to sexuality. They began to just practice all kinds of different opposite of what God had for them. You know, in our society, in the last few years, there's a new term that's popped up. It's called pansexuality, right? So essentially, there, there's and some really famous people that promote this. Is there's, you, can't, you can't label my sexuality. Anything goes. So that's animals. That's robots. That's um, male or female. It's just, I'm going to do whatever I want to do with whoever I want to do it, however I want to do it. 
And that's fine. You can choose those things, but there's going to be consequences that come with it all the time. And then eventually what happens because of immorality, we finally get to the the bottom part. This is iniquity. This is another word for sin. It's it's the twisting of our, um, the way we view things, right? So we take something that's good and we make it into something that's not good. And and it becomes um, uh, the the results of our choices that we made. And so what, what Paul does in Romans 1, he says, if you want to know what life looks like without God, let me show you. It's a, it's a, a downward spiral into, into, into to nothing that is good. Like you will find yourself empty, and you'll find yourself looking for things everywhere, but you'll never be able to find it because you went away from God, right? And so there's this, this, this moral decline in, in our society. So Paul is saying, once you, once, and notice how it starts with ingratitude. We don't even recognize. In our season when we're um, with COVID, with the political elections, right? There's a lot of things to say that aren't working. But when we only focus on what doesn't work and we're only mad at God for the things that aren't working, we become this kind of person. And the next thing it's going to lead to is us looking for something to worship. That's not God. And it's going to lead to those eventually giving ourselves permission to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And that pulls us further and further away from God. So what do we do? So the good news is this is the downward spiral. There's also an upward process that God calls us to to ascend, to get better and better, right? It's a process of us allowing God to work in our lives so we become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. God wants us to begin to reflect him more and more on this earth. So what do you do? Well, you have to start with with relationship with God. You have to know Jesus, right? That's the most important thing is you start off by saying, hi, God, my relationship with you is the most important thing in this whole world. Like, I have to have a relationship with God. It starts with relationship with God. And then from there, it's our worship and our gratitude towards him. It's a daily recognition that he is God and we're not. That you woke up and you have lung, you have breath in your lungs, you can live another day, right? You have something in your hand that you can be thankful for. There's something that's taking place in your life that you can be thankful for. And it's just having that, that attitude of gratitude of saying, today I have an opportunity to live life. Today I have an opportunity to do good, right? And so when you know Jesus, when you, have, when you be in a worship and, and have gratitude and you put him first, you begin to see that process begin to take place in your life. Because here's the biggest struggle for all of us is we want to push God out of that first and we want to put something else. All of us, myself included. And if we find something, usually it's us that pushes that way. We want to be first. And so he's saying, so for us, if, when, we, when we put him first and we worship him, eventually what's going to take place is we're going to then say we want, we want to live a purpose, right? And the goal is to make him known to others. So this process of us becoming more like Jesus and then helping others to know Jesus as well. And he invites us into this journey where we know him that we put him first, that we worship him, that we're grateful for things. And then at some point in this journey, we actually make him known, which is the last thing that, that I want to talk about today for, the, for this series is he says, then the gospel will go to all the nations of the world. So one of the things that God is waiting for before the end comes is that every tribe, every nation, every tongue will hear the gospel message. And he says, and when that happens, then the end will come, right? So, so they're, they're, we're working towards that. And so God wants us to be a witness for him. He wants us to be a part of that process of making sure people have an opportunity to know his grace and his goodness, to make him known. And, and you hear the word, he, he calls us as Jesus followers to be witnesses, right? A witness is not just somebody who speaks. In fact, your witness is the way you live. When you live this out, people see it, and they want to know exactly what's different about us. They want to know what's different about you, where you put your trust. And when they see something different, by the way, in 2021, 2022, I personally believe There's going to be a lot of people in our city who are going to be desperately searching for something better because everything they put their hope in the last few years, it does not prove what what they thought. Like they're they're looking and searching for other things, and it doesn't 
doesn't ever work out the way they were told. Politics promises, right? The media promises, um, all, uh, all the different aspects of our society, right? Wealth, all those things. And when they get there, they're always looking for more. It's never satisfying. And there's be a lot of people who are saying there has to be something that is worth living this life for. And you know what? We have the answer. In fact, in our society, when it comes to, to being a witness and making them known, I would even say challenge us, you know, we have a couple of weeks that you have to be really careful not to hurt relationships because um, in, in two weeks we have our election and what's going to take place in our, and this happened uh, four years ago, is it doesn't matter who wins, it doesn't matter who, what, what side wins, there's going to be a good percentage of our nation, our brothers and sisters, who are going to be very upset. And some of those people are going to throw some fits and they're going to be really upset and break things, right? And, and our job is to love our brothers and sisters, not to judge them, not to, not to put ourselves in a position where we're better than them. Either side, doesn't matter who wins, the other side is going to be hurt, right? And, and, and we have to be the kind of people who say, we're supposed to be a bridge, not a wall, right? We're not supposed to keep people away from God. We're supposed to help people find God. So let's not give up influence unnecessarily. Guard your words. Guard what you say. Be careful with it. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And here's, unfortunately, too many Christians in our nation have bowed a knee to a donkey or bowed a knee to an elephant. And that has become their, um, their flags, their banner for their life. And, and too many of them have put their hope in the candidate as the Messiah. Um, and if you know, if you look at our past presidents, there's not a single one of them that has been the Messiah. Some of them have done incredible things for people, but then some of them also done some, some very discouraging things. So either side, it doesn't matter what side, they're not our Messiah, they're not our hero, they're not going to make the world perfect. They might fix some things, but they're also going to break some other things. It's not going to work out the way we always are, are told and are promised, promised all the time, right? So just know, as we go into this season, don't bow your knee to a color. It's not red or blue, right? It is the kingdom. And this is what it means. He's saying, uh, you're, you're, you're a citizen of the kingdom of God before you're anything else. And don't forget that. If you're following Christ, you're first a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Because at some point in history, America will go away, and there will not be an America, right? But there will be a kingdom of God. And don't find yourself fighting the battle for something that's not going to last, something that's not going to be worth your, your life, right? This, he's saying you're, you're a citizen first of the kingdom of God. And then everything else, then you get, get to be all those other things after that. So don't give up this for something that's not going to last. Don't give up your, your ability to speak to others because you chose a specific candidate or a specific position, right? Just love. Choose love. Walk through that. In fact, next week we're going to start a series that's going to help us to the the month of November to, to, to learn what we need to do in that season, right? How, how we can walk it out. So he's calling us to be witnesses. And what we have to do is, is show people that we are, we're above all of the rhetoric. We're above all of the, um, the hate, right? We're above that. We're, we're going to say, doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you voted, we're still going to love you. We're going to care for you, right? And, and, uh, and we need to pray for, for the outcomes. That's important. We should vote. We should, we should pray. Um, but at the end of the day, don't let that opinion or, or your um, your voice missed the opportunity to love others. Because at the end of the day, I would rather us love a lot of people in the heaven than just to be right on some political platform. Let's love people. Let's care for people. All right? You with me? Yeah? All right. Let's be witnesses that love people. So, he's, so make him known. So here's the great thing about Christianity, right? In our world, um, it is growing. Around the, world, the globe, Christianity is, is, glo- is, uh, is growing, and in some countries, it's exploding. Um, in fact, in, it's growing, the, some of the countries that's growing the fastest in are the countries that hate it the most. And they're trying to squish it, right? And trying to stop it. It's exploding in some of those nations. 
uh, like Iran. They, they, hate, they hate it there, and they don't want it to happen, but it's, it's just it's, it's pretty cool. So in 1970, it, uh, it was estimated that there was 1.2 billion Christians on the planet, right? So then a short period of time, uh, just a few years ago, 2017, there's 2.6 billion Christians on the planet. That's a lot of growth. And they, they only expect that to continue to grow. So it's, it's, Christianity is expanding around the world, which is a good thing. Um, every seven days, it's exciting. Every seven days, one million souls will be added to the kingdom of God. That's pretty cool. Every seven days, there'll be a million souls in our world that are added to the kingdom of God. Um, before COVID, I don't know if this has changed at all with COVID, but there was 3,500 churches being planted every single uh, week in, in the world somewhere. There's a lot of churches being planted. People are going out. They're saying, we want to be the kind of people that help people know the love of God, the love of Christ. Out of the 193 nations, um, the, uh, Christianity is growing, except 20. 20 is installed or is in decline. America is one of the 20. So the rest of the world, what we believe is growing in, Christ, in, in America, we're just slightly underkeeping up. Um, we're, we, we lose a little bit every single year, but we're really close to being able to out, see growth. I'm believing we will these next few years, especially in the United States, because people are going to be really hungry for something that works. And uh, we have what works. We have the answers. We have uh, the truth that God wants us to give. And so God is inviting us to be this kind of people that expand and grow the kingdom of God. Right? And we would live in such a way that we make a difference with our lives. Um, in, 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 um, when, when we think about the growth and, and how God wants to use us, you know, for us as, as, as a church, we're, we're trying to be strategic in, in reaching out to, um, to the people in our city. Right? We're building bridges. Just so you know, this is also one of the reasons I'm very careful of politics because um, I don't want that to become the main thing that people are known for. I want to be known for the, for the church that loves people that are different than, than us, that, that we care about those that even believe differently, right? So we're really, really careful. We're trying to use our influence. But we're, we're doing things to try to expand the kingdom of God. Uh, in fact, um, when we first started the church, one of my goals, I said, wouldn't it be cool within like the first, I don't know, 10 years or so, we'd be able to start, help start uh, 100 churches as the Grove? And so we just made this goal, like, we're going to do our best to start churches. We're going to do our best to get the, the, the missionaries to different places in the world. And so for the last six and a half years, our church has invested into 20, over 25 churches to start. Some of those we've coached, some of those we've financially invested in, um, some of those we've come alongside and partnered with, with training and things like that. And so we're well on that way to be able to help start these churches around the nation, uh, around, around uh, the state and around the nation. In fact, um, there's about eight, eight states that we've actually invested in and started churches within the United States. Uh, there's about six countries that we've strategically partnered with through missions to help expand the kingdom of God through feeding, uh, through starting churches, the feeding programs and compassion ministries, uh, through starting churches, uh, through missionaries that we support. Um, and so we're always looking for those opportunities. How can we use the resources and the time that we have to be able to expand the kingdom? And we're always looking for that. So one of the things that I love... Um, as, as, uh, um, as, as the pastor of the Grove, is that when, when a missionary calls or somebody calls um, and says, hey, can you, can you hear me out? Would you guys be able to support us? I try to say yes to meet with them. I, I can't ever like, promise long-term support, um, but almost every time that we go, I'll meet with the missionary to encourage them and to, to um, um, see what we can do. And I pray about it. God, is this one of those strategic ones we want? I'm listening to seeing if, if that's something that we're supposed to do as a church and if we have it in the budget and all that. But one of the things I always try to do is I try to bless them when they come, and I always try to just have, have a check ready for them just to say, we can't, maybe we can't support you long-term, but here is, here's something that our church wants to invest in the mission you're doing. And we just say yes. Like every time we can, we say yes to what we can. Even if it's just something small, we still say yes to it um, because our heart is the kingdom. 
Our heart is not our, not our kingdom. It's not what we can build, right? The kingdom of God is so much bigger than the grove. We just play a, smart, a small part in that, and I'm grateful for the part we do play. But we get to do these things. It's us saying we want the world to know that Jesus is he's a good God, and he loves them, and he cares for them. There's a reason he gave his life on the cross, right? Even when our society doesn't believe um, that, that, it, that it matters, that they'll find, they'll find um, through us and our, our, our witness that, that he has good plans for life, that he, there's something better for them. You know, I was thinking through the, um, the surveys that George Barna did, you know, in, in our society. You know, there's a good chunk that don't believe in any moral authority. Like, we just get to choose what we want. Well, at some point, that breaks down, and people are going to begin to look and say, there has to be something better than what I'm doing. And we have the answer. In fact, you know, when, when it comes to moral authority, our standard is the Bible. There's a reason he, he gave us it, so we can have something to hold on to, something to build a life upon. And he says, when you do it this way, it works. When you do it your way, you're going to have fun for a little while. The Bible says sin, sin is fun for a season, but then it gives birth to a big baby called death. And that big baby, it kills everything all the time. Fun for a while. But eventually it leads to death. But his way is life and life everlasting. His, his, his way produces life in us. And he invites us into this. And so for us as, as, as Jesus followers, what's our, what's our role in this? What is our role in the end times? I would say it's to be a witness. It's to, it's to know him and to make him known. So when it comes to, to living our life, this is what we said. Plan, plan, right? Be responsible as though Jesus is not going to come for 100 years. But then live in such a way that you're ready for him to return today or tomorrow. Live in such a way that you can give him account saying, God, I did the best with what I had. I did the best with what you've given to me. And we can turn it and say, God, we're, we're living in such a way. So here's my challenge as we wrap this series up. Would you be the person that lives intentionally? What does intentionally look like? It means you don't miss a single moment because you're living in such a way that you're saying, I want to know God. I want to make him known. I want to know God. I want to make him known. What does that look like? Well, on Sundays, we give you a picture of this, right? We meet together, and I give you a challenge. I try to encourage you with something each, each week, uh, which, which I love. You know, I'm sitting on here. In the last song, we're singing, singing about uh, Jesus to, to God, say the word. Right? You speak, things change, right? And I'm singing this, and it's reminding me that God has, um, he has more for my life than I understand. And, and for me, when I get off track, a Sunday morning gets me back on track. Don't forget what you're doing, Eric. Don't forget what you're doing. Well, every single day, we have that. Through our prayer and our Bible study, right? You have an opportunity for us, us, for you to hear from God what he's asking you to do on that given day. Be that kind of person that lives intentionally. God, what is it you have for me? Why was Jesus able to do so much in three years? Because he lived with intentionality. He woke up every single day and he said, God, what is it those things you want me to do? And then God would give me the assignment and he'd make him aware. I guarantee if you become that kind of person, every single day you'll not, there'll be a moment, an opportunity for you to do something with your life that'll make a difference. If you're not, you just maybe just keep going through life, waiting for something else to happen. You're going to miss those moments. Let's be these kind of people that live intentionally, right? We don't miss a single moment. That we put systems in place to remind us of what's important. The rhythm God gives us, working six days, resting one. It's reminders, right, that our life is limited. That we live in such a way that we don't miss a single moment, a single opportunity that God wants to do in our life. For some of you, maybe that's your time. Maybe it's some of your talents and the gifts God given you. You used out others. Brothers, it's your treasure. Saying, I want to use my life that's going to go beyond just what I can get and give to others. You know, for the last uh, three years, our church has been feeding over 100 kids in Haiti. They're Feed One, an amazing ministry that's doing a lot of good there, right? 
as a church, we say, what can we do? That is one area that we can actually say, let's just do something. Let's do something with what we have. I just have to give up two coffees a month to be able to feed a kid in Haiti for a whole month. Pretty awesome. When you think about, it's just sacrificing something that wouldn't be that much. Maybe one meal out, right? One of the one of the weeks. And say, instead of me doing this, I'm going to give towards that. Look for ways to be able to say, I want my life to make a difference. I want my life to have an impact. I want to live in such a way that I know him and that I make him known. That I know him and I make him known. Because one day he's going to come back and he's going to say, well, what did you do with your life? And I hope we would say, I did as much as I possibly could. You know, in the, in the gospel of Matthew in 24, he's talking about the end times. And then in 25, he tells these parables. And one of the parables is, is, is of, the, of the people that managed, right, the steward. That God gave these talents to them. And when he says talent, that's an incredible amount of money. It's not just like a gift that you can, you know, that you can do. A talent would be an incredible amount of money. And to one, he gave five talents, which would probably be like millions of dollars. That he'd go and invest and do something with this. And he gave to somebody else some less talents and some other talents. And they, the, the master comes back and says, now give me a report of what you did with your life. And the one that used it and multiplied it, he says, well done. Now you can come in and enjoy, enjoy the, your master's company. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy heaven. Enjoy the kingdom of God. When I think of the talents that he gave, you have more talents than that parable talks about. I think what Jesus is pointing to is the fact that you are given something so, so incredible. It's called your life. It's a gift that God has given you. And he's saying, how are you going to use this gift that I've given you? What are you going to do with the gift of life that I've given to you? Life is a gift. Our time is limited. And wise people, they learn to manage their time. They learn to measure their time. And they learn to use their time the way God wants us to. That's my prayer for us as a church. As we're aware of the time, we're aware of the season, we become the people that say, I'm all in, God. I'm giving you the best that I can. Do me a favor. Just close your eyes and bow your head today as we end our service. Maybe you're here today in the building, Grove Central. Maybe you're online watching. As I talk about that, maybe you're, um, maybe you recognize the moral decline in your life. Maybe you've walked away from God. Maybe you're just not using your life in a way that, that would please God or you know that you could. Maybe today you need to be the, needs to be the day that you say, God, I turn my life over to you. I, I want to follow your direction, your lead. You know, if you were trying to drive somewhere in our city and you had the GPS on and you went the wrong way, your GPS would keep buzzing and beeping you saying you need to turn around, you need to turn around. For some of you, God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, is the GPS telling you you're going the wrong direction, you need to turn around. Others of you, the GPS is saying, good job, keep going. You're so much closer to your destination because you're on the right path. If you're here today and you need to make a decision to say, God, I'm all in. I want to live with intentionality. I want to, I want to follow your lead. Forgive me of getting off track. Forgive me for missing it. If that's you, would you do me a favor? Would you let me know you're in this room? I'll just lift your hand right in your seat. Say, today I need God. See a few hands. So good. Anybody else? All right, if you raise your hand, would you pray this prayer with me? And those that are in this room, would you pray with them so I'm not praying alone? If you're online, you want to pray this prayer with us right there in your, wherever you're at, would you just pray this prayer to God? Say this, say, Father God, today I put my trust in you. Come into my life. Give me a new start. 
Help me to live this life with intention, with purpose, with your favor. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for the sacrifice on that cross in my place so I could have life. Thank you that he's alive today. I could put my trust in him. Give me a new start. Help me to know you and help me to make you known. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, cheers. Let's celebrate those that prayed that in the room and on the online. Thanks for praying that. If you're in this room and you prayed that prayer, if you're online, would you do me a favor? Take a moment today on our online connection card. Uh, would you fill that out saying you made a decision? I'd love to send you a resource. Um, in fact, this last week, I had a couple of people from different states actually watch last week, and they made that decision, right? They prayed with us, and they put the connection card, and we sent them some free resources to help them on this journey. Um, it's, just, it's really cool to, be able to know that we can have an impact with our life, even in the COVID season, even in the election cycle, right? That we can, we can use our life to make an impact. And so if you made that decision, let us know. I'd love to send you uh, some resources to help you take those next steps and even talk about what those next steps are, all right? And I just feel to help you on that journey.